a brand is like a person, you know, and you start treating a brand like a person and it gets consumed by what people kind of understand this person to be. And I think it's important for us, irrespective of what times we live in, a person's character or a person's persona will always shine through depending on their purpose and their meaning. Hi everyone, welcome to Market Share. This is where I chat to people who influence the way brands are built, big brands and small, as well as people who've had a big influence on the marketing and advertising industry. So, Albert Einstein said, creativity is intelligence having fun. I'm going to say that again. Creativity is intelligence having fun. That could not be more true of my two guests today, Nathan Reddy and Adam Byers. Partners in Grid Worldwide, one of the most awarded design and communication companies in South Africa. Welcome, guys. Great to catch up again. Hi, Reg. Morning, Reg. Thank you. So you guys have done brand work for countries, banks, cars, drinks, and almost every category that exists. Is there a big difference when working across categories, or is it there a common thread? I think, uh, you know, there is definitely a common thread in terms of process, in terms of understanding in the relationships of how we kind of achieve what is that center of gravity. But absolutely, you know, we have to do your research and understanding the data in terms of understanding the categories, specifically to what audience you're obviously selling to. But there is a, you know, we do have a understanding in terms of our process is to make it mean something. So whether we're selling airtime or we're selling a car, it's basically the same understanding of how we achieve that value. And countries are the same thing, because I know you guys have done work on Qatar, you've done work on South Africa. Same thing applies? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the thing about marketing and communications is that, you know, we have to get to a single-minded idea. And all we're all human beings, so we kind of, you know, have a certain way of how we kind of view the world. So, you know, a person trying to buy a car is the same person trying to buy airtime or the same person trying to visit a country. So, you know, we're talking to a human being. So the idea in terms of understanding emotion and value is kind of across the board. So once at a conference, I heard someone describe creativity as a bastard art in an inexact science. I thought it was rather disparaging. But is creativity becoming more of a science, if you think of the digital world? And is it being recognized as a currency? You know, the idea of breakthrough creativity will always be relevant. And, and, and breakthrough creativity, and again, you know, there is obviously, you know, there's quite a lot of mediocrity out there in terms of what people assume as good creative. But when you look at iconic breakthrough creativity, yes, you know, there is absolute talent to kind of achieve that. We do have a world where we're living in a digital, an understanding of a digital world is a good idea that is a great creative can sit on many platforms and still be breakthrough. You know, so if you look at some of the great pieces of iconic work, and if you go and say to yourself, you know, it took science to make that, I think the idea of technology and science kind of aids the understanding of how you spread the good creative. But in terms of coming up with great creative work, that is still very much so a talent. And when it's done amazingly, trust me, you know, you know it's amazing. But in the digital world, you can actually measure things these days, can't you? 
Mason? Yeah, I think, you know, as I said to you, we've become a little bit more kind of refined and understanding of how you can measure certain things. And that's all to do with good technology and data. But the, the, at the end of the day, you know, if you look at the, the older days in terms of when something had a few mediums to be on and the amount of noise it made versus you have so many mediums now. But if you have a great breakthrough creative, irrespective of the medium, I strongly believe that, you know, you still have that kind of numbers and impact. So you have to have a great piece of content or a great piece of creative to make sure you break through. And that's got nothing to do with science at the end of the day. So what you're really saying to me is creativity is an investment. Absolutely. I mean, funny enough, you know, you know, we have a thing at Grid. It's called investment creative. And uh, we coined that term investment creative for a very particular reason. It's kind of a business understanding of creativity. But if you look at the value that creativity can bring over time, it is definitely an investment. So we've seen that in many, many, many different parts of our business. We've seen it with our clients. And the idea of building up something in terms of understanding the seed you plant and thereafter how you water that there, and over a period of time, you get the value for it. So what, what you're saying to me is if I had two pages of a magazine, let's use an old-fashioned example, two pages of a magazine, both cost 100 rand. It's how you fill the page that's the value because one is definitely going to work better than the other one. That's what you're really saying. So creativity actually can be measured. It's not a bastard art. Absolutely. If you're spending money on something, you ultimately want to create value where you want to reach the right people with the right engagement and the right kind of understanding of how the money invested is basically very well spent. So our job, yes, you know, it's not about just doing creatively for the creatives of being creative. It's the idea behind the creative. So you understand all the, the nuances of what it is to get the engagement, what is to get the recall, but what it is to get the, the memory of what you've done and how you build something. So, you know, a good brand manager or a good client will understand the levels it takes to kind of create that equity. So it's not a bastard art. It's actually a very hard-working art. Funny enough, you say that, you know, I had a friend of mine and he's got a business where he's come up with an idea and it basically amortizes itself over a period of time. So there's hardly any thinking. All he's got to do is manage the logistics. In our business, basically, you've got to be thinking every day. And originate. <laughs> and originate every day. And, and, and guys, do you think everyone can be creative or do you think it belongs to certain people or is it like training? Can you teach yourself to think more laterally? I think like any muscle in your body, like any kind of thing, you know, it does take a certain amount of talent and a certain amount of kind of training. But the idea of creativity is how well you're read. How do you view the world? What are your interests? You know, you have to have a wide spectrum of interests for you to kind of interconnect certain thoughts with certain things and come up with certain ideas. So the idea generation part of this year is quite a talent thing, but talent in terms of creativity can be learned. It's not something you have it or you don't have it. Yeah, and no, I agree with you. So what makes Grid unique? I think what makes Grid unique is, um, is the attitude of the people that work at Grid. Certainly the attitude of the leaders in terms of their ambition, uh, how brave they choose to be. I think the other thing that, you know, 
leading on from your previous question around can anybody be creative or is everybody have the ability to be creative? I think what's so, so important about what distinctly makes Grid Grid is the fact that we are continuously fueling our creativity. And a big part of how we fuel our creativity is we see the world as our playing field. And secondly, we literally hone in every day on building a culture of creativity that embraces creativity, that embraces the world for all the good and the bad. And then we use that to fuel the origination of ideas. So you're on the management side, Adam. What's the management philosophy? What philosophy do you place on the people? How do you run the company? First and foremost, uh, culture is everything. Culture is king. Uh, the second thing from a management perspective, as leaders in the business, we hold ourselves accountable for every decision that we make. The third big thing is being responsive to a world that is always changing. You know, we certainly don't look within our industry to continue to fuel our management and leadership style. We're always looking outside of the industry, including tech startups, including, you know, other companies that are continuously innovating. And I think the, the most important thing that has held our leadership accountable and our leadership ambitious is the fact that we have a philosophy that anchors everything that we do, and that is make it mean something. So what exactly are you today? Because I see there's no more boxes. I know you started off in the design world, and Nathan, you've done some of the world's great designs. And I mean, I'm always in awe when I see some of your work. It's fantastic. But I see there are no more boxes now. You're a communications company. Is that correct? You know, to me, what was very important for us, I think, was to start off understanding the brand origination. Because it wasn't just about logos and things like that. It was about brand positioning. So we kind of had a lot of insights about developing a brand and a culture for an organization. And funny enough, you know, I've seen over the years, understanding the culture of a business is one thing. Trying to do an ad for a piece of business is, you know, sometimes people, the companies that are doing the ads don't actually understand the business that well. So for us, it was actually a very beautiful journey of understanding brand. And then, you know, if you ask somebody today, you know, what is direct mail and what is uh, advertising, what is design and what is digital, you know, they will just tell you, I like that brand or I don't like that brand. So our philosophies and or our kind of engine room here is for someone to not put their finger and say that is that or that, but to go, I like how I experience this brand. So, and I see it pitching up in sponsorship. I see it pitching up in terms of an ATM machine. I see it pitching up in terms of just basically in the community. I go, why do I like that brand? And for us to orchestrate that kind of delivery has been a way where we haven't put things in boxes, but we understood those boxes so well that it's quite fluid of going, I understand that brand. I know that's not, I'm not worrying about that being an ad or how the ATM looks. I understand the experience of this thing. And for us to orchestrate that total ecosystem has been where we're heading to. And therefore, we found it much easier to navigate difficult periods. So you're saying it's not a box anymore. It's a circle. So everything spins around the brand. 
I think we put things in boxes, but the consumer doesn't put it in boxes. And I think, you know, we are basically creating for the consumer. And for us, the more hooks we have into a client's business, the better it is in terms of understanding the consistency across platforms and across different mediums. So it's not a land grab. It's a true circle around the brand. And here's my next question. Do you think the long-term strategy around a brand is dead or do you, do you think life is more about a compass now because of things change so fast? Look at COVID, look at what's happening. You know, the question here is a brand is like a person, you know, and you start treating a brand like a person and it gets consumed by what people kind of understand this person to be. And I think it's important for us, irrespective of what times we live in, a person's character or a person's persona will always shine through depending on their purpose and their meaning. So, you know, in a, in a brand world, it's the same thing. You know, just because we're going through a little bit of it doesn't mean you change your personality. The idea here is you stay true to your personality and that's when you shine through. Funny enough, you know, we've been doing uh, big brands and, you know, the FNB, the idea of help, you know, in this COVID period became more evident because they had to shine through in terms of, okay, are we in the COVID times? Are we in the digital world? Or are we going to go back to our central meaning of what help is? So, you know, I think brands will navigate periods of times based on how strong their culture and how strong their purpose are. But what I'm saying is, and I think we're all agreeing, is it's more of a compass these days. If a brand is like a person, the person grows up. As you grow up, you adapt, you change. Your, no, you don't change your personality, but you change your way of doing things. Because my personal belief is the long-term strategy is dead. It's now about a compass. You turn left, you turn right. Yeah. As you go along and things change and the environment changes. So I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah, I mean, the idea which you're saying of the agility, you know, if you're a big ship and you find it very difficult to navigate yourself, you do need to be a bit of a speedboat. You do need some agility. And, and I think, you know, even though you're a big brand, if you have a culture of agility and you can maneuver depending on circumstances, then you're basically a brand of the 21st century. Absolutely. But don't you think brands are more fragile today? I mean, look at the clicks debacle and the H&M debacle. Aren't they becoming fragile? Because they can so easily be destroyed in kind of half an hour. You know what I, mean? I think, again, you know, you know, public sentiment, the idea of platforms and people having opinions. Again, the fragility of our world from climate change to Black Lives Matter to all kinds of social injustices. And I think it's so important that brands navigate this kind of territories very cautiously. And I think, you know, and that it's unfortunate what happened to that clicks thing. I mean, that should never have happened for a big company like that, for understanding it owned by Unilever. I mean, that should never have happened, you know. And again, that is not the norm in specifically in South Africa. You know, if you look at 99.9% .9 of our kind of comms industry, you know, we really are encompassing of our challenges and i don't think that is something that you know we kind of all embrace and we go oh my god i mean when, when we saw that clicks thing we were like are these people foreign or what yeah that was absolutely crazy but it shows you how the consumer is much more aware of everything these days and they are to me i think they're more fragile and you've got to look after your brand and care about your brand a lot more i think rich something that stood out for me with that instance is I think there's too much reliance on building brands via communication and advertising. 
And I think what really needs to come to the foreground is what does this brand really want to stand for? And what is the brand, you know, what's its philosophy of the relevance in a consumer's life? And I think that instance with clicks was such an obvious mistake, but such a common mistake in that the reliance on communication that was completely misinterpreted that people are just as fragile now as brands and people and brands have become both very sensitive. So when the two meet, that is the outcome. And it's not a really, you know, it's a really, really big disaster for both the organization and then the the reputation of that brand. And again, if you think of clicks, the idea is the clicks brand is like a smarty box. It's got all these other brands inside of it, right? So they kind of, they've got to almost watch all those kind of brands inside their stable, how they're communicating. And that's quite a daunting task by itself. Yeah, It is. Huh? It really is. Now, I know you're proud of most of the work you've done. Can we just discuss some of the standout stuff in terms of what you think is your standout stuff? Funny enough, you know, I know with you personally, I mean, Adam's joined, uh, Adam's been with me now 10 years. So he's been through, obviously, in dog years, like 70 years, I think. <laughs> uh, but, you know, from, from the early times, you know, I know you guys, we started with the ANC stuff. That was, to me, was quite in, uh, like a big play in terms of understanding moving from a revolution to a, a political party. Through the periods, you know, we've, I've watched some interesting brands from YFM, South African, the airports, the brand South Africa. And I think in our journey as Grid, we've really been very proudly South African. The pedigree of a country in terms of how they always say, you know, go to a country, look at its billboards. It will tell you a lot about the culture. And South Africa has always played an, a, an amazing you know, role globally in terms of having amazing communications. Irrespective of the fact that we have such a different types of markets in our country, our level of quality of thinking credibly has been amazing. So firstly and foremost, I think to answer your question, some of the breakthrough stuff from us, you know, in terms of, you know, YFM, you're looking at, uh, you know, Brand South Africa, you're looking at the Apartheid Museum, the airports company for us are, are things that kind of is kind of very colorful journey to where we are. And, 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 and in present days, you know, we've got amazing other brands we've done in terms of stuff like FNB, you know, the rebrand of APSA, the understanding of how we've put together. Oh, yeah. Adam, Adam, can maybe continue that path for me? Yeah, I th- you know, Reg, I think um, the tourism work that we do is always stand out for us because we really get under the skin of, you know, for when we did South African tourism, you know, we're South African and we're African. So it was it was easy for us to contextualize that and then bring that to life through, you know, the rebrand and repositioning and the campaign. I think when you talk to the work that we did with Qatar, you know, we're not Arabic speaking. We haven't grown up in that country. And I think, you know, we really embraced what Qatar stood for in terms of its future and what they want to achieve for the country. And that really resonated with us um, as a business, specifically around our own purpose of make it mean something. So for me, if you said what is the most standout work, I think that one in my mind in the last 10 years at Grid has been the most standout in that it was a job that I think changed the face of what Grid is, what we stand for, and what we can achieve 
um, as a South African agency and not just a design agency. It allowed us to flex our strategic and our creative muscle to the nth degree. And when you then leverage that with the right global media plan, you know, it became global instantly, you know, with the likes of being shown in Times Square, uh, Piccadilly, you know, every big airport around the world. So for us, it was an achievement in itself, a personal achievement in itself. And that I think uh, certainly changed each of the people that worked on the business, changed our own personal perspectives of what it means to rebrand and reposition a country. That's what I love about you guys. You got from the very small and the detail and a small logo to doing a huge job in a country. I, I think that's great. How do you see the industry changing? Do you think it is changing and where is it going to? Big question. I think our industry certainly is going to change and I think it has changed even pre-COVID. I think for me, one of the things though, Reg, that I am... Um, that I'm quite outspoken about is that I think on many fronts, we've lost the high ground from a creative point of view and we've allowed ourselves to lose that high ground. And I think even for us, um, where, where we need to shift as, as businesses, and I don't want to call ourselves agency, where we need to shift as a business is the idea of an hours-based model that makes us almost slaves to our clients in the sense that I spend X amount of money to get X amount of hours to deliver a creative output. And we have to, we have to shift that mindset and that model ourselves to be more value-based in terms of it's not about how much time it takes. It's about the creative output and the impact that it has on the world and it has on our consumers. So certainly for me, I'm looking at it at a lens from a business perspective. I think it fundamentally has to change. And now more than ever, you know, clients are going to expect us to change and they will, you know, continue to beat that same drum if we don't show them how it needs to be. Uh, you're 100% right. It's all about the idea has such value and people got to understand it's got such value. Let's go behind the masks of Nathan and Adam. So Nathan, what scares you? What makes me scared? Well, I think, you know, there's, you know, I've, I've personally, Reg, I've always been quite an optimistic person. And I, you know, I, I speak from the fact that no matter what our country has gone through, I've always remained very positive. But, you know, in the last two, three years, just like we keep on going down the wrong road. And the scary part for me is, are we ever going to lift ourselves out of this corrupt system. And it scares me because, funny enough, I, I, I turned 50 last year and I go, you know, you only have one life and how much of energy are you going to kind of keep on giving to your positivity in terms of, you know, I also have a daughter and I look at the world and I go, is this kind of a vicious circle that just never stops, you know, in terms of the system? And that is my scariest yeah, and from being a person that being absolutely positive to go, can we fundamentally get rid of this rotten system that we have called corruption? You said exactly what Jeremy Mag said to me the other day. He said exactly the same thing. And I think we all feel that way. So, Nathan, I, I believe you're quite spiritual. Yeah, I think the last three years have definitely been far more grounded in terms of my awareness of the world. And I think, you know, that's a large thing that actually drives our philosophy of make it mean something in terms of how we see the world. 
And we can't divide our physicality or our emotions from the world. And they are all actually completely as one thing. And therefore, it's important if you look at what's happening in the world now, if you look at what we're talking about brands, we're talking about every interconnected part of our lives. I totally believe that's all connected. So spirituality plays a massive role in kind of trying to keep me grounded and trying to keep me sane and giving me that little bit of extra power in terms of positivity. What makes you happy? You know, Rich, the idea of happiness again for me, again, it's quite a balanced understanding. I still like the idea of socialization. I still like the idea of quiet time. I still like the idea in, in, in the sense that when you're doing something you really love and you see the output of it, all these different facets in your life gives you a combined understanding of what happiness is. So your family, the idea of a healthy business, trying to understand the integrity of your leadership and your style of leadership, all these things are combined to give you a sense of happiness. And I think it's important that they are all balanced and there isn't a, more of this and less of that. You know, every day we are self-adjusting to kind of become better people. Oh, that's fantastic. Adam, what makes you happy? I think first and foremost, it's a culmination of things from my, you know, my personal life uh, and my business are very intertwined. They're effectively one. And I think in terms of my personal life, it would be my, my home environment, uh, most definitely my kids. My wife is my best friend. She's certainly my partner in crime in every possible way. You know, we can have a hell of a lot of fun together. Uh, we can be parents together. We can be teenagers together. And, you know, we are certainly blessed with an amazing family life. We've got a support structure. And then I think if you go into my working life or professional life, I certainly do what I love. And, you know, the being in the creative industry is only one part of it. Being in the people industry is the most important part of it for me. And, you know, every day I'm just dealing with such incredible talent, pushing them to see beyond their own expectations of what they think they can do, pulling together when the chips are down, celebrating when we have success. So it's certainly a culmination of a very balanced life around family, work, health, and certainly we live in a beautiful country. And I think if, on the, on the contrary, my country makes me very happy, but it certainly also at this stage makes me very sad. But I most importantly will not lose faith in the potential that we have as a country. And I know that we will come out of this on the other side uh, through blood, sweat, and tears. We will get back to, to what we all believe South Africa should be and every ray of light uh, will get us there. Thank you very much, guys. It's been great chatting to you. I just want to close with this thought. Money never starts an idea. It's the idea that starts the money. Thanks for listening to Market Share with me, Reg Lascaris. I'll be back soon with another episode giving my take on brands and companies, big and small, in South Africa and elsewhere. So chat soon. Cheers.